So good to be here today. So glad that you're with us. You know, I was sitting there thinking on the front pew, just reflecting over the last few years. Do you remember a few years ago in the middle of COVID and, and there would be three of us here on Sunday morning? It'd be me and a PowerPoint person and a sound person. And now it's completely different. And then we all, churches everywhere, and some of them still are worried people didn't come back. They're not coming back. We have a full auditorium. This is wonderful. So many great things are happening right now. I think 65 people were baptized last year. More people are thinking about being baptized even now. Those are good things. God is at work, and I am so glad you're here today. Today I know we have some grandparents and even great-grandparents, I'm sure, that are in the audience today because of the blessing that will come at the end. We often talk about what a rough world we live in. And believe me, considering it is a rough world, we want to do everything we can to bless our children, to pray that God will bless our children so that they will grow up strong, that they will be strong in their faith, that they will tell other people about Jesus, and that they will bring a wonderful time in this nation as well as around the world of more and more people coming to know Christ because of the very children that, that are in this congregation. What a blessing God has given us. So you probably don't want to hear me talk very long, but I'm going to talk for a little while, just not as long as normal. I realize when I say that, you are probably already timing me now. How long will it be? I know how that goes. So today we're talking about our future, about our children. Our children are our future. Maybe we should have sung that Whitney Houston song, right? Because some of you have it in your head now. And when we talk about our children... In some ways, our children are our present. But in the other way, we're thinking about what will they become. When we see these little babies today, and when we think about our children, when you saw the kids come this morning and put their money into the different boxes, you have to think sometimes, what will they be? You know, will they, be a, will they end up being a, a doctor or a truck driver or a teacher or a banker or, or whatever? Let me tell you what's most important. It says they grow up loving Jesus, that Jesus is the center of their lives. And today we come together as a body to say that is what we want for these kids. And these are, this is our prayer, that they will always love Jesus as they come to know him. You know, adults have a responsibility to the next generation. There is no doubt about it. We have a responsibility. Now, sometimes we say... Those of us who, who are getting a little older say, boy, I sure worry about that younger generation. But do you know what they said when my generation was younger? Boy, we sure worry about that generation. Whatever generation you are in, the generation older than you was scared to death by you. That's the way it always is. That's the way it always be. And so there are sometimes reasons to worry. We understand that. But we have a responsibility to share our faith to bring people along, understanding they don't know what we know, and, and maybe they even have things to teach us, but we want to share that faith in a way, and we want to bring up kids in a way that honors God and puts God first. I think this morning about the man Joshua, back in the Old Testament, who, when the children of Israel were out in the desert, they roamed around for 40 years. And they roamed around because they had sinned, they had tried to do things their own way, they were angry with God, and God said, I will not let the first generation that left Egypt go to the promised land. 
So you will roam around out here for a while, which they did. In that time, Moses was told, who was the leader, you are not going to enter because of your sin, but there will be another leader that will come along, a man named Joshua, who was the apprentice of Moses. You read about Joshua at different times in Moses' life, and, and, and Moses was teaching Joshua what to do. Obviously, God had a lot to do in it as well. And so Joshua would be the one that would lead the people God would dry up the Jordan River, they would walk across the Jordan River, and they would enter into this new land, a land that God had promised them. What an incredible thing it was, and Joshua understood the importance of it not being just a one-generation event, but every generation remembering. So picking up the words of Joshua in Joshua chapter 4, in verses 20 through 24, this is what the Bible says. And Joshua set up at Gilgal, that was a place near the Jordan River, Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones that they had taken out of the Jordan. Each tribe, 12 tribes, and they had each tribe take one stone, one big stone with them, out of the river that had dried up. And he said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these 12 stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Now, I want you to see this passage of Scripture. Twice he says, the Lord your God. He's not saying, hey, put up these stones so that we can, you know, tell everybody what we did. So we'll remember the day that we walked into this land, the day that we walked into the Jordan, across the Jordan River. He says, no. You pick, up, you pick up these stones and put them together. Remind the people why they're there. They are there because of what the Lord your God did. The Lord your God dried up the Jordan River. But do you know what? It's not about just one miracle, is it? He says, tell them about another miracle. That God dried up the Jordan River, and before that, he had dried up the Red Sea and let the people walk across. You make sure that God gets the credit. Tell your children over and over what God has done. It is not just a one-time event. It is that we tell them over and over and over what God has done. You know, in my own family, my parents were in two very devastating tornadoes that completely took, took everything they had. I know those stories because they were told over and over. I can tell you April 9th, 1947, 1955. I can tell you the dates when those things happened. I was not even, as they say, a, a glimmer in my mother's eye at that point. I was far from being born. But I know the stories because they were talked about over and over. Some of you remember sitting on the laps of your parents or your grandparents and hearing about Moses and Elijah and Joshua and Jesus, and hearing those stories. 
Do you know what your parents or grandparents or guardians or, or mentors were doing? They were telling these stories just as been commanded in the Bible to do. Tell them over and over so that your children and grandchildren and kids that we think a lot of, that they know those things. Jesus emphasized the importance of children. Jesus talked about kids a lot. There are three or four different passages of where Jesus encounters children. And I think about this one in Matthew chapter 18. Just a brief glimpse into the life of Jesus. It says, See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. Now, this is a really unusual passage, and I don't have a lot of explanation for you. I've read it in different English versions, and I've read it in the Greek, and it says what it says. Somehow, children have some kind of special relationship with God. There is something there that I, I, I can't explain. It may, matter of fact, it brings up more questions, doesn't it? But somehow, God has this special place for kids and for little ones, and for those who are innocent, and those that don't understand. What a beautiful thing that is. And therefore, I want them to have a special place in my heart, because I want to be like God. I'm not God, I will never be God, but I want to be more and more like Him, and care for them the way He does. So when we stop to think about younger folks, now when I say this, I understand all of us in here are not, are not parents, Maybe we will never be parents, I understand that. Maybe some of us are, will never be grandparents. Maybe some of us, that's, that's not our calling. That's not who we are. But let me tell you, there are young people around you, maybe they're nephews and nieces, maybe they're neighbor children, maybe they're kids here that you can mentor, maybe you're in a program where you mentor younger children, maybe you're a school teacher, whatever it is, all of those that are around us, we want to think about what can we do for them. So what can I do to help the next generation? Here is one of the things that may just sound really simple. Be available. Be available. Don't always say, sorry, I can't do it today. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Not today, not today. Maybe in an hour, maybe tomorrow, maybe the next day. Be available for your children and those that are younger that need guidance. I understand we all have to go to work, we all have work trips, we all have pleasure trips, all those things. But understand at the same time the importance of being available for those children and grandchildren, for those that you mentor. Be available for them because if you are a Christian, if you are a person that knows Jesus, those children need to know you. If you have things to offer that will make this world a better place, they need to know you. And if you're not available for them, they will find their answer somewhere else. So be available. Another thing, let your children think. Don't make all the decisions for them. Don't decide for them because if you make all the decisions for your children, they will not be able to make their own decisions because you make them, and one day you won't be around. And then they will be paralyzed, not able to move. So, let them think. Let them dream. Let them imagine. Don't put down every idea they have. I called our uh, two daughters, our two adult daughters that we have. I called them last night. I said, tell me, 
what are some things that we did that helped you on this very question of thinking? And they said, oh, yeah, they shared a bathroom, which was also the guest bathroom. They said, Mom, they didn't say Dad, they said, Mom, let us paint it the way we wanted. One side was yellow and bright yellow, and one side was teal, and it had a lightning bolt that went down the middle of it, so they would know whose side was which, right? Well, if you came to our house in that time and saw that, it was pretty odd. You know, what in the world is going on? But it was letting them dream and imagine and think. And the moment they graduated, it went back to a, to a different color. <laughs> but it's the idea, and maybe you don't want them to do that to your bathroom. It's just an example, okay? I'm not saying, not kids, don't go out and say, I get to paint the bathroom and the preacher said it. That's not what I'm saying. But it is the idea of letting them dream and imagine and come to some of their own conclusions, but guide them along the way to where hopefully those conclusions come into the right place. Consider parenting and grandparenting a ministry. Or if you are in a place without children and you are mentoring, consider mentoring a ministry. You, if you have children, you are not just given those children by accident. They are now your responsibility, and not just your responsibility to feed them and to clothe them and to send them to school. It is more than that. The responsibility, the main responsibility, is to tell them about Jesus and let them see who Jesus is, to do these very things in front of your kids, to love your kids like Jesus, to lead them toward Jesus, and to live lives for Jesus in front of those children, whether they're your own, your grandchildren, great-grandchildren, the kids you're mentoring, whoever, that, that we want to somehow consider that a ministry. While we have ministries here at church, and they're great, we want you to be a part of those, also your life with your children is the most incredible ministry of all. You are with them sometimes 24-7 and can have a much greater impact than anyone else can. So some other things to do to help. Specifically, worship and attend church activities. I want to tell you something right here, right now. This is critical. This is really important. If your children see that worship is not important to you, it will probably not be important to them. If all you see is just, all they see is, oh, I got to go again. Oh, it's Sunday. Guess what their attitude will be toward worship? They will have the same attitude that you displayed in front of them. I remember a story from years ago. It was not from someone here. We were actually on vacation visiting some of our friends, and we all had little kids at the time. And I remember that the man in the family said some kind of word. It wasn't what you would call a cuss word. It was just something that was kind of crass. I, I wouldn't want my kids to say, and, and I wouldn't say it from the pulpit, and, and I don't say it anyway, but I wouldn't. It's not wrong. It's just, you know what I'm saying. But the man said it, and his children, who were between the ages of 7 and 11, that was the only word they could use the rest of the day because they heard their dad say it. You know what I'm talking about here? I'm not saying it was wrong. What I'm saying is they watch you, and if mom or dad say it's okay, then it's okay. Be careful. Be careful. Because you are leading them either toward Jesus or away from Jesus. And if it's not anything wrong, don't worry about it. 
But be careful in those things. If worship is not important, if church activities are not important, they will not be important to them. I also want you to understand this. If the only time you talk about God and your family is on Sunday morning, time to go to church, and then when it's over, you don't talk about it again, or maybe even Sunday morning, Wednesday night, that's all they get. Do not expect them to be faithful to God when they're older. Because if all they're getting is two hours a week, do not expect it to be much. If all you got was two hours of math in school for, for 12 years, you probably wouldn't do very well in math, right? That's why you went every day to math class or to English class or to whatever. Understand, it's more than that. In our family, and, and obviously we could have done so much better in our family, I'm not trying to lift us up in any way, we didn't have a lot of devotionals in our family where we all sat around with the Bible and, and read the Bible and, and prayed. We did some of that. But you know what we did have? We had God talk all the time. And what I mean by that is we talked about, well, uh, we were praying for you today on that test. Boy, God really helped you on that test. Oh, I'm so sorry you didn't do well. You know, you know, we love you. God still loves you, even though you bombed that one. He still loves you, and, and it's good. Whatever it was, God was in that conversation. We wanted him to be a part. Whenever we ate together, whenever we talked out in the living room, whenever it was time for bed, whatever, God was a part of that. Make sure God is a part of your kids' lives and those that you mentor or those that you, you teach. Here's another one. Volunteer as teachers and sponsors and mentors because they need help. They need help here. Our children's program needs help. Our youth program needs help. Volunteer. Be a part of that. Be a mentor. That, at the Impact Church just down the road, many of you are, in, are, are mentors there. There are kids here that need mentors. We have people who don't really know Jesus very well that come here. They need that help. Sometimes it comes by what you teach them through, through education, through, through academics, but then you bring in Jesus as well with that. And give for our children and youth ministries. Now, obviously, we have our collection and you give, and that's certainly true and wonderful. There are also ways you can give sometimes through scholarships for kids to go to camp and, and do other activities, and that's great. But it's more than that. It's not just about giving money. It's about giving time, time in prayer, time to volunteer for an event. Maybe you're the one to teach, and maybe you go, I don't teach. And you're maybe the one that gets to clean up or the one that gets to set up. All those things that they need that will help the next generation to know Jesus. This is what I've learned. As children grow older, it becomes more difficult to influence them. Now, it's hard when they're really little, but you can make them wear what you want, to, want them to wear, right? When they're a year old and they're so cute. All these kids that come up today, not a single one of them picked out their own clothes. I can guarantee you of that. And so you get to choose that, and then later on, as they get a little older, they'll become a little more feisty about what they wear, right? Those kind of things happen. But let me tell you, the day will come when your influence is not what it used to be. They make their own decisions. So in our family, I always laugh, when Annabeth, our oldest, was born, we knew within a week that, that she was the strong-willed child. I mean, we figured that out pretty, pretty easily. 
Now, our youngest, Emma, is, is in law school to be a prosecutor. Imagine what it's like to, trying to be a dad, right? Strong, two strong-willed children. Some, they got it from Barbara, obviously not from me. But the idea is we focus on kids now, making that next generation better when they are younger. We continue the relationship, and the relationship changes, but we understand the importance of what we do now with our younger ones. I also want to encourage you to encourage your children in academics, in sports, in work, in theater, speech, whatever it is that they're a part of. I want them to do well. I want them to succeed in their job. I want them to succeed in, in their athletic endeavors and in their academics. I want them all to have 4.0 or higher if you go to a school that has higher. I want all that. However, Jesus must remain the priority. He must remain the priority. I always like those commercials that come on. They always give me thought because you know I, I love baseball and I like football a whole lot, but baseball has made me a little bit more, but I like them both a whole lot. But those ads that come on during college football games about how the percentage of kids that will go on to be professional athletes is like 1% or less, right? You do realize what that means if we're taking away from Jesus in order to pursue something that our child has less than 1% at. But a 100% chance of standing before Jesus someday. I want him to do well, believe me. But do not take Jesus out of that relationship. Make sure Jesus is a part of it. Do not forsake him. Do not forsake him for academics. Do not forsake him for theater. Do not forsake Jesus. Because that's what it's all about. And then that is what it is. Whether they make a gazillion dollars or they owe a gazillion dollars, it is about Jesus. Whether they're the fastest runner or they, they never, even, never even leave the mark in the first place, it is about Jesus. That is what matters. Do that as a parent. Remember those things. Now here's my question for us today. What kind of, dif of difference maker will I try to be? And you say, well, that's kind of a funny question. You should have said, well, what kind of difference maker will I be? No, I can't tell you what kind of difference maker I will be because I cannot force anyone to do anything. I cannot force my kids to grow up and do exactly what I want. I cannot force my wife to do exactly what I want. I cannot, can cannot force you to do exactly what I want. But I can try to be a difference maker, and I can live, and I can lead, and I can love. And those things then will permeate with some folks, and they will become more and more like Jesus, and a difference will be made. Maybe you are ready to be baptized into Jesus. You are ready to say, I, I love Jesus. I want to live like Jesus. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want the gift of the Holy Spirit. I want to be immersed into Jesus, to be clothed in Him, and, and to come up like Him, where He protects me forever. Maybe you're there today. And maybe it is that you need prayers. This whole group would pray for you. We'll pray for you if you write to us, and we'll pray for you if you come forward. But we want Jesus to be honored. Come this morning as we stand and sing.